Our theme for today is peace. Something that we really need a lot of, right? You know, uh, the Jewish people had a term for peace. I'm sure you may have heard of it. It's a Hebrew word, shalom. And our English word peace doesn't fully capture the essence and all the meaning that's wrapped up in the Hebrew word shalom. We think of peace as just being the absence of conflict, but the Jewish word shalom means or wholeness. How many of you like the bust out puzzles this time of year? And maybe you got with the 500, 1,000 piece puzzle out, you're doing the dishes, you got all the time, you relax, you can the table out, you pull out the puzzle. You know, I know that our family gets a puzzle out always this time of year. And some of us, we just like to walk by and try to find one piece, put that piece in and say, aha, you know, I participated in the family but you know, you need that one piece that you've been looking for for a long time, and you're just like, oh yeah, you know. Or how do you get down to the very last? And there's only one piece missing. And you're like, okay, who's going to piece? You know, you ever had that situation? We were doing a puzzle considering, and we ended up finding that last missing piece. It was on the floor, or somehow blended into the carpet, and so we picked it up and put that last. You know what? I'm a good person. 
says it was a problem. I don't see a problem with this. But that kind of attitude misunderstands the Bible says about our relationship between us and God. The Bible says that we are separated from God because of our sin. Isaiah 52 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. Your sins have been his face from you so that he does not hear. So it would be nice that we all have peace with God. That sadly is untrue. God is holy and righteous, and he righteously judges sin and punishes sin. And we are certain people who are broken God's law. So even though, yeah, we have a you know, problem with God, but in our natural state, the Bible says that we are in enmity with God. It means we are naturally enemies of God. And it's not his fault. We're the ones who have rebelled against our faith. We are the ones who come out of the womb shaking up this of the world. We are the ones who aren't at peace with God. And it's because we are separated from God because of sin. So then how does Jesus' birth fix that? How does he bring spiritual peace between us and God? Well, the Bible says through Jesus' death on the cross. Just like the kids just sang about. He came to die on the cross. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. And when we put our trust in him, he takes care of that sin. So we are justified. That means we are declared the way, that's why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, because he brings spiritual peace between us and God. Secondly, Jesus brings you personal peace in your relationship with God. Most people do not enjoy personal peace on a daily basis, I believe. Sadly, even many Christians today do not live in peace. It's so hard. We get distracted with so many things in life, don't we? I mean, there's so many health issues, and there's so many family issues, and there's so much conflict, there's so many tensions and stresses in life, whether it's our jobs, or finances, or relationships with others that we have. But Jesus offers remarkable peace to each one of us through our relationship with God. Remember that he gives us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was on earth, he was getting ready to leave, and he was talking to his disciples, and that's one of the final things he promised his disciples is that he would give his peace to them. My peace I leave to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit's role in the life of the believer in John chapter 14, and he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, he says. And so this is a promise that we can hold on to in difficult times. That Jesus gives us a peace that the world cannot give. The world might promise to give you peace, but it cannot deliver. Only Jesus can give us the peace that we need. And that's the peace that comes through trusting in Jesus and relying on the Holy Spirit in our life. And secondly, Jesus gives you the peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that's the greatest trade-off in all the world, isn't it? That through prayer, Jesus takes our worries and gives us his peace. Not, notice that it's not just peace with God, 
That's what we talked about a second ago, but it's peace with God, the peace of God that he gives to us, a supernatural peace that surpasses understanding. And sometimes you might not even realize how he gives you that peace, but he does that oftentimes. We need to go to him in prayer and go to him with all of our problems and difficulties in life and ask him to give us his peace. And he gives us the peace and keeps us in perfect peace through the work of the Holy Spirit as we continue to trust in him. Isaiah chapter 26 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And this is one of those great verses that I've written on a note card and right by my computer monitor. You know, maybe you should put it in some place where you see it regularly, like the lock screen of your phone or something. So when you open up your phone, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God is in control. And when you trust him completely with all the details of your life, he will keep you in, in perfect peace at all times. As Prince of Peace, Jesus brings spiritual peace between you and God. Secondly, he brings personal peace in your relationship with God. And thirdly, Jesus brings relational peace between you and other people. Human beings have experienced relational conflict ever since we fell into sin. Think about that. It's not just your relationship with God who's been broken, but it's your relationship with other people. You don't have a right relationship with every other person because of the impact of sin. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Look at our first parents. Adam blamed Eve in the garden for giving him the fruit. Whenever God asked Adam what went wrong, he first thing he did, turn and blame somebody else. And that's what we do. We turn and blame others instantly. Cain was jealous of his brother Abel and murdered him in the field. And on and on and on it goes. So many of our difficulties in life are the result of conflicts that we have with other people. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when you submit your life to his rule as the Prince of Peace, then he will bring relationship, wholeness, or shalom with you and other people. That's another way the word shalom is used in the Bible, is that, you know, the, the Old Testament laws that talked about how we get along with other people. They said, like, if you, like, accidentally killed your neighbor's oxen, then you have to make repayment for that, you know? If you dug a hole and your neighbor's oxen fell in it and got killed, then it was your fault you had to make restitution. Well, that was called making shalom for that. You shalom that relationship by fixing it, by paying what you owed in that relationship. So we know how does that work on our daily life? How does that work in our relationship with other people? Well, first of all, remember that Jesus breaks down all human barriers. Galatians 3 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we know that as human beings, we're really good at building up walls, aren't we? And so much has been done damage-wise between individuals because of racism or class warfare, sexism, or whatever it, barriers it is. And that's, you know, one of the things you look at the, the New Testament church, how radically different it was in the Roman Empire because the Roman Empire was all about class levels. You had freemen, you had slaves, right? Males and females. Totally different rules for everybody, you know? You had uh, one of the issues that Paul was writing to in the Corinthian church was when you come together, you, you can't separate people like you do in other areas of life, you know? Think of the Colosseum at Rome. They had different levels for different people. And the higher you were up on the class rank is the lower you got to sit, sit to there. But 
God says, no, we all come together. We, Jesus has broken down the dividing walls of hostility. So there, there's no separation. There's no dividing wall. When Jesus came, he smashed down those barriers because we are all one in Christ. And so we are told in Scripture to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And so there's no more barriers because we share the same Holy Spirit. Jesus breaks relation, or brings relational peace by breaking down all of those human barriers. And secondly, he tells you to forgive as you have been forgiven. Remember when Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness? Because of, I'm sure, Peter had difficulties with a lot of people. Because he was human and, and he was Simon Peter, right? Because in Matthew 18, Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? How often do I need to forgive him? As many as seven times? Kind of patting himself on the back. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Meaning like, don't even keep count, Peter, because we know you can't do that math in your head. So don't even keep count. That's what he was actually, he was saying metaphorically, infinity. That's how many times you need to forgive. And then he goes on to tell a parable about a servant who was unable to pay a large debt that he owed to the king. And at first, the king was going to throw this guy into jail and have his wife and kids sold and as servants until they were able to repay the debt. But he begged for mercy, and so the king canceled the record of debt that was stood against him. Can you imagine the freedom of having an unpayable amount of debt, just being forgiven like that? That would have been like you would have just been on cloud nine. Your life would be changed forever. But this guy goes out, his life really... He goes out and he sees a fellow servant who only owed him a small amount of money. And when that man couldn't pay, that first servant threw, had his fellow servant thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Of course, when the king found out about this, this unmerciful servant, what he had done, he had that guy thrown into prison. Basically saying, if you can't show other people mercy when you've been shown mercy, then you just don't get it. And think about this. If God has forgiven you all of your sins... A huge, impossible debt you could never pay. If God has forgiven you that much, how could you hold someone else's sin against them? The answer is you can't. And so Jesus says that we must forgive others as we have been forgiven. And thirdly, Jesus calls us to live at peace with everyone. As far as it is possible, Romans 12, 18 says, As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So if there's any roadblock between you and others, then you should, as much as you can, now sometimes you've done as much as you can, and you can't do anything else, right? But the Bible says as much as you can, live at peace with other people. Even in worship, Jesus says, if you're going to offer your gift at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there. Go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift, he says. So take a minute and step back and take stock of your life right now. Is there someone that, that you need to go to and seek forgiveness? Maybe there's somebody that you're not at peace with in your life. Perhaps a family member or a coworker or a friend or a neighbor. And ask yourself, have you done everything that you can do to offer forgiveness? To apologize if you need to apologize. To forgive if you need to forgive. To receive forgiveness if someone asks for forgiveness. How can you make things right because of the influence of Jesus in your life? See, we need to submit all of our life to the Prince of Peace, to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we're 
always going to agree about everything. We're still individuals. We're still going to see things differently. But we can disagree about many things and still live at peace with one another as long as we put Christ first in our life. So the Prince of Peace brings us spiritual peace with God and he brings relational peace with one another or with ourselves and relational peace with each other. And finally, Jesus brings world peace when he comes to rule forever. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, he's going to eliminate all war between nations. And we know that right now there's many wars going on throughout the world. You have the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. You have the war going on in the Middle East. I mean, if you see some of the reports, you know, well, we all know war is horrible. Destroys lives and stirs up hatred, rips families apart, causes untold amounts of suffering. What good news we can look forward to knowing that when Christ returns, that he will eliminate all wars. Isaiah chapter 2 has this perfect picture of what that day will look like and how beautiful it's going to be when Jesus comes back again. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the, the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. War is a, a temporary evil in this fallen world in which we live. But when Christ returns, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will eliminate all war between nations, and he will rule forever. You know, we've been studying Isaiah 9-6 for a while. Well, verse 7 says this, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Someday Jesus will reign on David's throne, he says, and the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Wow, what glory we can look forward to. You know, as you look at these four aspects of the way that the Prince of Peace comes and to show peace there, look at the progression from one thing to another to another. Spiritual peace, personal peace, relational peace, and then world peace. But you can see that we're never going to have world peace unless we first have relational peace with each other. And before we can have relational peace with each other, we first must know the personal peace that comes from a relationship with God. And before we can know personal peace in our own life, we must first come to have spiritual peace between God and us, knowing that he came to die on the cross, to rise again so that when we put our faith in him, he will forgive us of all of our sins, and we can have that peace that we're looking for. That's the peace of which the angels sang, glory to God and on highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus is that prince of peace. You know, in conclusion, I want to tell this story and I hear this story every few years at Christmas time. And from the reports that I've read, I, I do believe this is a true story. A story 
of an amazing event that took place one Christmas evening during World War II. The year was 1944, and a group of American soldiers had been fighting a fierce battle with German soldiers for three straight weeks just north of where the Battle of the Bulge took place. And they all belonged to the 59th Division, division as assigned to the 3rd Army under General Patton. Late afternoon on Christmas Eve of that year of 1944, the shooting suddenly stopped. The American soldiers weren't sure what to make of it, but then they looked across the lines because they could see across the lines and they saw the German soldiers lit up a giant Christmas tree on a nearby hill and they began singing Silent Night in German. The American soldiers quickly put up their own Christmas tree and they joined in the singing. And all that evening and the next day, the Germans and the Americans enjoyed a brief ceasefire and celebration. Let me continue with this story because I've actually Googled this and seen pictures that they actually came forward, came out of their trenches and actually talked to one another. But the story goes that most of the day, it says they rested and shared stories of their homes and families. And then some of them spent time repairing equipment and preparing. But then they spent time actually singing Christmas songs together, singing Silent Night together. For part of the day, some of the men celebrated by reading from their thin, brownish Gideon copy of the Psalms and of the four Gospels, which they carried with them. And then the story goes, at exactly midnight, as Christmas came to a close, the tree lights went off and the guns again began to roar. For that one Christmas day, the Germans and the American soldiers experienced this brief moment of peace in a long jury war as they celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. That peace was temporary because it does say that they began fighting at midnight. Guns started going off again. But what a beautiful preview of the permanent an everlasting peace that will be ours when Jesus comes back again. So we want to pray, come, Lord Jesus, bring us your shalom, we pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and come and bring us your peace. Let's pray together. Thank you, O God, our Father, for sending your Son for being our peace. Peace between us and you, peace in our own personal hearts and lives, peace between one another. And God, we do pray for world peace. Oh Lord, we pray that you would send your peace as we trust in Jesus this Christmas. In his name we pray, amen.